0: Do you see the soft robotic field so far? Are you satisfied with the progress?
1: The progress in soft robotics going well, but there are a lot of people working on it, coming up with new things. So it hasn't finished its the first stage of invention. There's still people working on good ideas and seeing what comes of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think uh, there's uh, missing pieces we still didn't really consider in the research so far?
1: It's not, I think, so much a question of research. I think the question of finding initial demonstration that will stimulate good companies with good engineers to think about taking the next step. Because what you can do at a university is to invent first prototypes of new ideas. But what a real application requires is that someone think through the engineering and it's in the phase of beginning to think through the engineering, but it hasn't become common from that point of view. Hence, there isn't the kind of synergy that occurs where you have a number of companies thinking and computing around the similar technology.
0: Mm-hmm. And i am just excuses you give this talk about the simplicity, and I find this really inspiring even now in the research we do. Do you think maybe when we think about The product. I think that we discussed last podcast. Should we more focused to have a benefit at initially, like something as building block? Do you think we going this direction, the building block and simplicity in design, and also the cost wise, and these things that you listed before? Do you think we aren't aligned with this correct criteria in the design?
1: I think a lot more effort can always go into that step between university and industry. And when one is talking about a new technology, the objective is to get good industrial people to think about it as soon as they can. And that's beginning to happen now. There are companies that have worked around this. But what one wants is more companies and more engineers thinking about the parts that actually work on the shop floor or wherever you might you might be. So in order for... Well, let me put it another way. It's always the case where you have working technology in someone's factory or whatever it might be, that someone else can look at that and say, oh, that's really working well. I could modify it, and the modified version would then help me to solve problems that I have. And right now, we don't have quite enough people producing chemically and industrially relevant technology as opposed to chemically and a uh, neural relevant technology. And so transition is occurring. I don't think it's it necessarily slow, but it's slow in every field where it finally occurs. It took a long while for the transistor to happen.
0: Maybe the last thing we discussed uh, the previous time about what makes a good body like design for real-world application, and you told me that it could take 10 years to have mature technology. Did you change anything about well, that component what makes a good soft robotic design for wallet application?
1: I think it, I don't know about soft robotics design, but I think for new technologies, it takes 10 years and $10 billion. And those are very, very, very approximate numbers. But it's the point is that it's a hard and slow exp- step to get something to the point where it really becomes routine for the users as opposed to routine for specialists who do only that in an academic laboratory and in which if, something doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. I mean, the the one company that I have contact with is Soft Robotics, a local company, which has found an application, which is in Food Handling. And it's doing very well with this, and it's now becoming a reality. And what the particular advantage that comes there is that you can do things fast. It's not as expensive as other ways of doing it. And... You get people out of messy jobs, and you require a soft touch because fluid is soft. So, soft robotics is one, but it would be nice to have a couple of others working in different areas to come up with new ideas.
0: May I ask you what kind of new, like use cases you think maybe make a good case in the industry now, besides what example I mentioned? at SoftRobotic, Inc. What other use cases do you think may be interesting now in the market?
1: We're going to work on is is applications in biomedicine, particularly replacing the tasks that nurses do that are repetitive and um, require skill. Some of that can be done, I think, with robots. Robots are very reproducible. So I don't know whether that can be made to work. We've made one demonstration of a technology for making a chance for children with broken bones of the arm. And this works for an odd reason. And that is, the kids don't like having a, a saw remove the a plaster cast when they're finished. It's complicated for the kid. And so if that can be made to work, then there's an entry point. and that is to say one can begin to make other analogs for larger limbs and for adults and for you know different kinds of problems. But that underlying issue of how you actually make the transition from uh, a laboratory demonstration to a commercial reality is one of the things that the United States has to learn how to do better. we've We've got this, I think. Pretty well in the electronics world, but there are a lot of places where we where we don't see it. If you look at the length of time that's required to get 3D printing into commercial production and new kinds of polymers into commercial production, they they all take a long time. But How do we do that more rapidly? And that's in a sense the scientific: how, what is what is it that you need to do before we keep people begin to use a new technology to solve a problem? And to think of a new technology in order to solve real problems. So I'm deeply interested in that question, and soft robotics is an example of a technology for doing that.
0: Quickly here about because you mentioned about the cost of functionality, and it seems that you can't trade one of them. Can you tell me how you can think about combining low cost and still maintaining functionality in soft robotic context here?
1: Soft robotics has to do something that works well at the level of cost, in addition to working well at the level of just being able to perform some function. So so this is, again, something that universities typically don't do very well. There are places that do, but in general, it's not straightforward to do that. So in general, what we do is invent new things and make them available for industry. If industry would like to take them on and then try to apply them to a definite objective and and use and i think that's phase of think going the question is what can the university do to make this go more rapidly and you know one thing is to come up with new technologies and new ideas but there may be other things as well and that problem hasn't been solved yet
0: and let me ask you what the stick to solve this problem if you think about it where, where do you think the the solution could be
1: well, I mean, I mentioned one with, with PASS, but in general, where is the soft touch required? Nursing is an example. Working with soft robotics for food is an example because food requires soft touch. And where you see ideas that require soft touches, then you can assign interesting applications. But for example, under sea, there are a number of people, Adam Stokes, some others in the UK, working on under applications, and soft robots work very well under sea because disturbed by living in a salty, aqueous environment that doesn't bother the polymer at all. And so that's an area where there's an enormous amount of technology that's involved in undersea pipelines and in observing cables and in things of that sort. That's the right solution for a problem. And there are people working on this, but we haven't yet gotten anything. I'm not at all discouraged by the rate which the field is developing, but Is it a mature field in which no more invention is necessary? The answer is no, more invention is necessary.
0: Maybe I'll ask you, do you think sometimes we use soft robotics for the wrong solution? Did you notice sometimes we use it for the wrong reasons or not?
1: Well, a lot of what goes on in the university is to demonstrate that something can be done. And whether that demonstration of what can be done, assuming it's successful, corresponds to a real problem is a different story altogether. And typically, it's a, it's a problem that, that a, a uh, company can handle better than a university because they can do the cost economics and they build on the basis of performance. And they look at issues like, what's the uptime and the downtime of this new technology? And then we provide a box that you open up and there's something inside already in your assembly line and your packaging lie that you're ready to go, and that's just impressive happening here. So I think things are going well, but um, there's still more to be done.
0: I think one of your talks, you were showing the soft robots, the soft robots, I think uh, in the lab where Adam Stokes at, the, uh, at this time when they're developing the the soft robots, and he shows the robot from Boston Dynamics, and you highlighted the actuation part. And I want to ask you clearly about the actuation in soft robotics compared to what we see in quadruped robot, for example. My question is, do you think we have to develop or invent artificial muscle that resemble the biological one that could have the same strengths of quadruped, but still soft? Do you think we can merge the two? Well, the
1: advantages of having a technical feature you've made up, so there's nothing that says my muscle, is the right strength and the right size to go down the pipe and find an explosive charge at the end that needs to be destroyed. And a soft robot can do that because if it is the right strength to do it and then is destroyed in the process, well that's too bad, but it's not the end of the world because that's may well be what it's designed to be done. And the the question is to have a range of operating principles and a range of materials and a range of types of activation that work. One of the areas that we've been working on uh, in the last period of time is having soft robots that also act as, well, ways like digital devices just by themselves. That is, the system, instead of working on electrical current, works on, on pressure and fluid moving. And you say, does that make sense? And the answer is that if you look at Feynman's book on computation or things like that, the analogies that he uses are mostly to for electronic devices. The analogies are mostly to fluidic devices. And so, yes, I think it can be made to work. But will that be the answer to a problem? Well, we'll see. I don't know yet. We can find some very nice that operate on fluidic devices both to move and grip but also to calculate something. But you still, for that kind of system, you still have to have sensors and then devices which see and devices which tell you whether you're doing the right thing. And, you know, if you look at the length of time that's required for any new technology and the rate of development, a good comparison is microelectronic devices, computer chips, and then DNA sequencing, because they were both established, that is to say, the basic ideas were about the same time, late 50s, I think. And it's taken a much longer time for DNA to get up to speed. But DNA sequencing is now working incredibly well. I mean, it's working much better than I think I would have ever expected. And so be patient. You're young enough that you can manage this. And, you know, in 10 years, you can going ask the same questions again and ask how much change there's been and you'll find out.
0: I just want to ask you, there was two notions soft robotics. It seemed that either we have to control the soft robots and maybe using maybe artificial intelligence to control the soft robot. On the other side, how we can utilize uh, the nature of the materials we use and also morphology and architecture. And it seemed that, for example, uh, how we can design soft robots that resisted damage, for example, and higher toughness. So it seemed that... The question is: Do you think we have a deep understanding of the morphology and architecture in, in soft material, the soft structures that can, can give us interesting or emerging behavior or interesting behavior versus using control or artificial intelligence?
1: The answer is no, and this is a good place for further research because one community that's very relevant to the subject is the polymer or material science community. And you ask: Can you make materials that are like BPMS but resistant to fire? You make things that are opaque to transmission of gases or things. I mean, there are all kinds of polymers for all kinds of purposes. And the question is, can you make a variety of different functions or designs in robotic based on new kinds of materials? Sure, the answer to that is yes. And we use a number of different polymers, but you know we're really not good polymer scientists. That's not our strength. So, the question of can you if you if you look more broadly at the field of science or engineering and you bring in the best of digital engineering and then material science and what kinds of materials can be molded and what are they good for and how much do they cost, you come up with new answers. But that hasn't yet happened. And you know, it's a bridge that's been history- difficult to to cross over because people who can but people who can, who know about materials, who also know about engineering devices, it's not that many, not the world's most common combination. And yet it's what's required right now. It's what an industry can do. Companies can do this because they hire people as they need. It's harder in university because when people start their PhD thesis or their postdoc or whatever it might be, you've got what you've got. And the whole objective of being in school is to learn how to do something new. So you never know how it's going to work out. So we have the solutions for all sorts of problems. We have the solutions for some sorts of problems. We have ways of making, for example, PDMS robots less combustible. But, you know, having said that, do we have a clear application where that's a good thing to do? No, I know. And... One of the interesting things about this area is that the conventional robots community pretty strongly resists this area when it comes to peer-reviewed funding. So it's a little bit of a struggle still to come up with good ways of doing things when people basically say, this isn't the right way to do it because the way I do it. And I'm not too concerned, but it, it is something that needs to be dealt with course time. and you know the the communities that work at any new technology can get in one another's way sometimes intentionally sometimes totally unintentionally
0: okay as you see intentionally because of what like um is this like gatekeeping or what
1: yeah maybe it is or maybe it's not i've got a technology which is hard metal robots and that works perfectly well, and I know how to add sensors and vision devices at one or another thing, and then I've got a working system. And that's correct. I mean, it is. the question is, do you do any better by going to a different? And that idea hasn't taken over yet. I just think it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a problem of the field, Hesto.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe before a question here about the publisher, because that's a question has been asked here about what do you think about Bubble shop Parish?
1: I'm not concerned with this. I just think it's a little bit of a problem of the field has to overcome well, the practicalities in the university are that you don't put your work, you don't get more money to do more work with, so you've got to publish. You can come up with one good paper that really opens the door in science in some ways, and then there's all kinds of things you can do with it, and others can do with it but. So I'm not too concerned with publish or perish. I do think that established communities tend to protect their own supply of money, whatever that turns out to be. So you're gonna go from there. Is it in general a good idea to publish just to publish and get more names on a publication record? Probably the answer is no. But unless what you're doing is actually moving the field in some direction forward, probably that's not a good idea. And you know the thing about this area, as many new areas, is that there has been a demonstration that says there is a field here, and you can do some things that are new and interesting, and probably you can do more things that are new and interesting. Is this will you, as a researcher, make a choice to work on this, or are you going to work on the more conventional ways of doing? It? And different people will make different choices. Way, I mean. We, after all, work on soft robotics in part because we're not robotics people. We don't know in in any detail the cleverness and and control and vision and sensing and things of that sort that other people do. But then again, we can do things like soft touch and things of the kind that is substantially more complicated to do using um, invention. There, So there will be cases where one is the right thing to do and one is the wrong thing. And then in some other application, it may be the the other way around. But what you need are, you know, the nice thing about engineers is that they solve the problem any way they can. And they're good generalists because they they know all the approaches and what their job is, is to solve the problem, not to solve the problem using a particular technology. And so what we need is more good engineers and more people working on problems identifying problems and working on problems than we have right now and will be assigned.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll ask about identifying the problems here because I think when we have a, I don't know, when we do that research, maybe new technology or solving a problem, the first question about the design philosophy and how do you find a good problem just before, I think that's the hard thing. Maybe that's my perception, but I'm curious for your long experience, how do you pick the good problem?
1: But you know, there are different problems. There are problems in which the users want a better solution. And sometimes those are problems for which you can provide a better solution with development. And sometimes you can't, I mean, you just can't figure out how to do it. So for example, we've had the problem in healthcare of cancer for as long as I've known anything about this field. And there's been progress, sometimes really good progress. I but it still remains a problem to solve. Now, is there something out there that makes this new and interesting that we can approach the problem in a new way or not? Or is it simply, we're stuck with what we've got? And I think the answer is going to be some of both, that there'll be cases where we've got an idea that's the best idea that's around in other cases in which we haven't yet tried new thing. The same thing is robotics. I mean, does one really need a robot to walk on the inside of an oil pipeline and inspect for leaks? What does one need? Something that can go undersea and look at an entry hole for a pipe. It's a drilling pipe and find out whether it's oozing oil around the sides. The answer is I don't know. I'm not a drilling engineer. So, hey, I don't know whether there's a problem there. And if there is a problem, would you solve it using a soft robot? I don't know. Well, they don't know what the problem is exactly. So there will be certainly cases where I can think that soft robotics is the right way of doing it. And other cases where I don't know. I know that soft robotics brings soft touch. And I know that soft robotics are relatively inexpensive to make. Relative to many hard robots that are able to do the same kinds of things or similar kinds of things. So there will be different answers depending upon the circumstances. And there's probably a room for both since robotics is a field that's going to expand over the next period of time simply because there's more need to generate solutions to problems Then there are people to generate those solutions using existing technology. Given all of that, what's the best solution to a problem? You'll have to show me the problem, and then I answer that with my guess about what the best way is to solve.
0: We might want to take your opinion about the current robots that, for example, Dynamics and other companies, The cost plus 100K. It's very, very expensive. And one thing that these robots in the market, but it seen that, this is my opinion, it's not effective. In and solving certain problems, given the the real world situation and the cost, What is your take about the 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 loss of the robot we have now, like from Boston Dynamic and other companies, and for example the Meloid robot? When you think about these technologies, which is very expensive, and uh, there is attention now in the market, but it seems, yeah, it's very expensive and how it's practical. Did you sort about that? If you fully.
1: Well, you know, all really good considerations that one thinks about. that is, what works, how much does it cost? And, and how much does what's the cost of operation over a period of time? And are there other problems that come into it in terms of toxicity or in terms of other things that they can't? All of the good problems which determine what makes a good product. So we had chips and we had vacuum tubes, both of which solve problems, actually similar problems. And it's turned out over the course of time that transistors work much better than vacuum tubes. And so the world has gone that way. What is needed to figure that out is people making the best vacuum tubes they can, the best transistors they can, or the best soft robots of a variety of sorts, or the best hard robots of a variety of sorts, and seeing which ones actually work best. Because, you know, a lot of science and engineering is empirical. What works best and it can work best at different times or with different materials or with different methods of construction or powering? These are all good legitimate questions.
0: Maybe I want to follow up question here since you mentioned the transistor and how we have now that, for example, the internet, whatever you call cell phones. I'm just looking for soft robots here when we start with something that maybe doesn't make immediate sense for the the bigger and back, hopefully, in a couple of years. How you can envision that? Uh, maybe that's my uh, naive notion about when I design something. But how this could be really yes part of that component? What the problem is? But sometimes some element just doesn't doesn't reflect to us the immediate uh, impact. So like, where we can use this element in the future? How it's this build up? Like if we give this is robotic, how we can build up this like vision? that hopefully that will lead to something bigger.
1: Well, but if you think about electronics, nobody thought at the beginning that they would make a transistor, and the transistor would then lead to the World Wide Web. I mean, you just didn't think about that. It came because pieces were added and functionality was added, and it turned out to be easier to do something than to do something else. And, you know, the field developed based on the pieces that were available to make it develop. And... Robotics is also a very big area, and I think with the advent of artificial intelligence. It may turn out to be, in some ways, a bigger area, because instead of shipping information around, what you're doing is replacing people in mundane jobs with machines and allowing people to do more. We don't know whether that particular replacement is going to happen as indicated or whether it's going to be something less benign. What we're going to do is try it. And we will see what happens when we've had 20 years of experience with AI and with soft robotics and with hard robotics and with the web and communication transfers and all the rest of this. It's going to be a different place. So I am certainly not going to see the end of this. And I think even you, though you're young, are not going to see the same kind of experience. Or you're going to see the complete experience. And it's going to be just immensely interesting to see it develop. But the problem of communication and calculation we sort of see a variety of options going after new problems. And with things that require touching and moving and drilling and doing other things with mechanical objects and mechanical tasks, we haven't seen the same explosion of ideas. Uh, And I think that soft robotics will be one of those, but there'll probably be others as well, different forms of hard robotics. Uh, And I mean, what hard robots are doing now in terms of dexterity and touching and feeling as they touch and, and things of that sort are all very, very interesting. Um, But if you think about them, many of them can be used as soft robots as well. So when you start combining hard robots and soft robots, and what you see now is already a combination of the two, the primary industrial uses of soft robots is as grippers that you put on the end of existing hard robotic arms. And the arms provide the speed and the strength and the soft robots. So the soft grippers provide the ability to handle the things that you're working with. And that works very well, but it's a combination that works very well. So where are you going to be in coming up with new ideas that combine these things?
0: Do you think soft robotics slowly in that case could be interesting solution or should be combination of soft and rigid always?
1: There's gonna be things that are purely soft and things that are purely hard and things that are in between. The point, which is the interesting point that people bring up repeatedly, is if you are successful in a new technology, it tends to disappoint people. And is that an outcome that we're happy with? There are lots of things to be done in the world. Some of them at present can only be done with people. So why not give people interesting jobs? To me, one of the most interesting examples of a benign use of a soft robot is in washing machines. Because it took a very large class of women, otherwise known, A very large class of humans, otherwise known as women, and relieved them of the task of washing dirty dishes and things of that and dirty underwear, allowed them to go, do other things like being CEOs. I don't know whether that's more interesting or not. It just provides more opportunities for people. So what robots of all sorts can do is to relieve people of repetitive, not so interesting tasks and enable them to do less repetitive, more interesting tasks. And I'm an optimist in thinking that's the way the field should and will develop, but we'll see.
0: Maybe for that part, do you think we still need to focus on other things like more interesting actuation technology or sensing? Or use? Yeah, you said we need more, of course, innovation, but when you think about the critical point that's maybe to advance the immediate impact, do you think it's more actuation or more material or sensing?
1: Uh, we sort of understand the general Uh, principles of soft and hard robotics. What can you add to those two components? How do you combine them in an interesting way? Um, And then what problems can you solve with the technologies, the mixed technologies that come out? And I don't know, and that's what makes it feel so interesting. We, the field, will do interesting things for academic reasons. And then the people, the engineers who make things will look for the new technologies that are on the shelf but the new sciences on the shelf and ask how it could be built into new technology and the outcome of those two themes sort of what needs to be done and, or what can be done and then how do you do something with these new things that you come up with to solve problems that people want solved those are those are terrific questions for technologists to work on mm-hmm.
0: Maybe on this queue when you give the talk in 2013, I think that's uh, sort really of the buzz of robotics. Of course, when you, in all these years, did you have different views or opinion that changed recently? Like in 2013, you have different opinion, and now it's all consistent, all this year, your views about soft robotics uh, in general since 2013. I think the views of
1: soft robotics is reasonably consistent now. The question is, you can solve all sorts of interesting problems and provide new examples of actuation and motion and sensing and so on in the university laboratory. What of this panoply of new science-slash-technology borderline stuff actually is interesting enough to solve a practical problem in the world? A particularly interesting problem to try to solve. Not partially because it's interesting in its own right, but partially because it points to what the United States has historically been good at, basically taking new science and making new technology that solves problems that people care about. We need to learn how to do this better because there was a period in which we didn't have much competition in the world immediately after World War II. We were sort of the only inventive technology around, but now there are a lot of countries that have good inventive technology. And we need to understand how the world works and what we can contribute to it and what we can take for it, from it. And that combination of ideas will be something which will form the direction of the field. The field will form itself. It's not going to be one strong figure uh, leaning in and saying, go left or go right or go straight ahead. It'll be what works is what I want to work on. And what doesn't work is not to spend a lot of time trying to get it to work. So the field is in that state of flux where it's been established as a legitimate part of robotics, but then the question of whether it's going to be a big part or a soft part for particular applications, uh, which is also depends upon human beings coming up with the answer to this is the problem I can solve with soft robotics, and this is the problem I can't solve that way, or I can solve better some other way. So I'm a real optimist. You know, The optimist is based on the pragmatism, and you solve the problem or not. But, you know, it's fun to have academic papers absolutely for it, because it's a way of spreading ideas around. Uh, but the thing is that what you want to do ultimately is to provide technology to make neighbors' lives better.
0: Can I give more with that? Maybe follow-up question on that, because I think one of you were talking are mentioning how we can design that vertical cost, almost zero cost to accessible to the public, in, especially in healthcare. And... I don't know. Do you think it's a political decision when it comes to the cost of the accessibility and the cost for cheap devices or just uh, for mid healthcare sector? Do you think it's a political decision when it comes, assuming that we have found the right technology and thing is in almost zero cost or low cost? Do you think it's a political decision in that case?
1: Everything is a political decision. So if you have a new idea, it almost always displaces an idea that already exists that isn't working well enough. And people don't see any reason to replace working technology with new technology, because new technology always comes with problems. And so it's a question of looking at what what's available, and the easiest cases are the ones in which there are no existing solutions. But even when there's an existing solution, you have to ask. Is a new is something new needed here, and if so, why is it needed, and what is it needed for, and how much is it going to cost, and so on and so forth. You've left out the the money part, but you know having things that are inexpensive enough that people will do what they can do, or other technologies will, will benefit. That's a good question. An interesting example in soft robotics is artificial intelligence, because if you look at soft robots and try to predict how they will move exactly under a new pneumatic stimulus or whatever it might be is not trivial because they are materials that haven't been looked at in detail for that point of view, and I can't really replicate a human muscle or an animal muscle with a... I'll, I've never tried either, and I don't know why I would because I don't see it solving a problem. But in any event, that particular way of thinking about things in terms of looking at what's needed and then asking whether the, the invention that you would like to make or you think you've made uh, provides that kind of function is a really interesting kind of problem to do a problem to work on. But it requires a certain discipline to say, what is it exactly that I'm trying to do? And then, what exactly will I have to see in order to show that I've done what I set out to do? Um, not, not trivial with new technology ever. So, when people were setting up the first electrical systems, there was that sort of basic question of how you ship how you ship information. I'm sorry, how you ship power over long distances. Do you do an AC or do you do a DC? And they were arguing for boats, and you know the history of that area. But in soft robotics the question is it provides soft touch. It provides nonlinear responses to stimuli. Does anyone know? And uh, the answer to that is in some cases yes. In some cases not yet. And uh, we'll have to see.
0: Maybe follow up on the pneumatic actuation I'm curious. Do you think pneumatic actuation may be I don't know, that's my opinion, maybe I'm wrong here, but it's quite bulky, I think. Do you, do you think it's interesting solution always to use pneumatic, of course, that's maybe the, I know there's other techniques, but what exactly reviewed viewed about pneumatic actuation, if that wasn't practicality?
1: I like to do it at a distance. You can do it at a distance. I, I mean, I, I have a pump over in one room, and I have a device which is doing something, and all I have connecting them is a thin tube, and so it's not that much different than electrical activation except that I don't happen to have an electric motor with all its weight and expense and all the rest of it on one side and the other side. I don't happen to have a dynamo. So I think that the pneumatic actuation is actually a very good way of providing fine control over force applied at different points in an operation cycle. But if you think about where pneumatic actuation works, well, you know, think, for example, about automobile tires and there are an awful lot of automobile it's very difficult to think of some of the method of actuating a flexible piece of rubber so it becomes stiff and hard enough but not too hard and the answer is that you can do that very well pneumatically and there are a bunch of other applications for pneumatic actuation actually it's the method of doing things and you can't do it alone with automobile tires too is as an example if i ask how i'm going to provide uniform pressure on the inside of a ostensibly flexible, but really very tough material, which is fiber-reinforced carbon or rubber, it's not easy to come up with a solution. So there's an example which is bigger than many of the other examples in which electrical works. I don't think one should be a zealot. Uh, Different things will have different applications. One other thing that's good about pneumatic actuation is it's very lightweight, it's also very cheap, uh, and it has a number of other things that are interesting in that, in principle, one can. Uh, Well, you can develop methods of doing electrical actuation that don't actually involve having big pumps and things of that sort, then tubing and some source of acid or base or whatever it might be. So most of those have not been invented or developed so far, but that's all right. They're still there. Uh, Different things will have different applications. One other thing that's good about pneumatic actuation is it's very lightweight. It's also very cheap. And it has a number of other things that are interesting in that, in principle, one can, well, you can develop methods of doing electrical actuation that don't actually involve having big pumps and things of that sort, then tubing and some source of acid or base or whatever it might be. So most of those have not been invented or developed so far, but that's all right. They're still there to be developed.
0: Why do you think academician mission tend to be complex. Can you tell me about why we tend to be complex sometimes, especially in academia, that tend to, to have a complexity, like, I, since you have this very long years of experience?
1: The problem of complexity characteristic, it is not even the beginning of solving problem. So if I look at you, you are, wherever you look at yourself from a distance, you're a complex system because you've got hopes and dreams and limbs are all working pretty cooperatively together and you know, more power to them. But we don't understand that. We don't understand storms. We don't understand an area that we've gotten quite interested in is fires, which are complex systems. So what one always looks for in science, curiosity leads you to ask, here's a system that's important. And it's obviously got lots of different pieces moving on, complexity and blood flow and whatever it might be. And can I understand it? And the answer is that one way of understanding anything is to build other systems that have some of the same characteristics and asking if you can understand where you've built it to be observable and to answer questions for you. And the answer is nobody has yet put together a really good theory of complexity. We have people who've made very good progress looking at complex systems and answering questions about them. But can we say like quantum mechanics that we really understand these things even if we don't understand them? We can model them and the answer is no, we can't. So complex systems are good ones to look at, as a personal opinion. But I'm going to stick with it. In fact, I will go a little farther in saying areas of science that's probably most interesting.
0: Do you have any moment of doubt in what you've been doing? And I'm also curious how you developed this over the years. That's kind of wisdom and, uh, and simplicity. And I don't know. I'm I don't know, of course, the whole thing about you. You, but uh, I'm just curious the experience of your life. That's the old is you what would what, what change it can you
1: You don't have to worry about doubt when you solve the problem, but if you solve the problem you stop thinking about it anyway But it's longer fun to think about. And so I would make the argument that that for one does as a well what let's put it another way. What I do as a scientist is I think about a complex problems and then try to understand how you reduce them to things that are less complex in which you understand the pieces and then look for ways of making all of that as simple as possible so that you end up with things that are predictable and in which you can you can understand what the response of your system is going to be to a given change in its environment changing its stimulus and yeah you know, that's true of people but it's true of a wide variety of different things that you work with when i'm looking if yes, i'm looking at a flame How do I put out a fire without disturbing whatever the fire is burning? Well, you know, we don't know how to do that right now in general. Take almost anything and pour water on it, and you do more harm than the fire is doing in the first place. Easily manipulated. And when you get to that point, then you're done, in a sense. And not very many, unfortunately, not very many things make that transition. But if you think about uh, taking one example of electromagnetism, when you first started out, yes, it's true that you could run correct through a wire and generate magnetic fields or a spin a rotor and get that to generate a magnetic field or an electrical field, depending on what you're trying to do. But the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, it took a long while to go from there to our modern, uh, but a society. And it was people being interested in parts of this complex array of phenomena that go under electromagnetism. And it's all interesting. But what distinguishes some parts is worthwhile working with and some parts not. And the answer is that some parts solve problems. So to me, the solving problems is a good stimulus towards simplicity. And it's one of the things that science and engineering should do.
0: May I ask you what other is in life is still hard to understand? Maybe life and science, both of them from your experience. Still, you can't grasp the purpose or the meaning.
1: Well, you know, you're asking two separate questions.
0: Yeah.
1: It's one of the things that you can think interesting that you can't understand that through study, maybe then uh, other systems, you know, more complex systems, we are just talking about complexity. Um, it's harder to do that because you have a complex system and you struggle to understand it. And it's hard to simplify that into something that empirically you can't understand. And you can try, and it's a good thing to work on. But the underlying question of can hey, you make all complex systems simple? Probably not. Can you make all simple systems empirically controllable? Probably not. And does that mean you should not work on them? the answer is absolutely not. You should work on it. Maybe you'll find out. Because right now we can't judge. So, I mean, I I continue to think that what guides all of this from the point of view of the science, and I am by profession a scientist, is curiosity. So what do I care about? And I care about because because something interesting is going on. I can't understand why it goes. on. That's a good reason for working. And if I can then carry that even further and say that I can understand what's going on, that I can make it simple to understand what's going on so I can control what's going on, that might be useful. And all of all stages of that progression from there have a clue, but this is really neat, to you can go and build a children's toy from Um they are all interesting steps, but you have to be disciplined enough to water go all the way to the end.
0: The way of thinking also as you grow and how you keep yourself having just young minds, just to be young in your mind.
1: Well, to me, much of the much of the motivation in science is curiosity. And so there are an almost infinite number of things around in the world that um, are interesting and some of them are very important, which I don't understand. The example of something that I'm interested in now and can't understand is magnetism. And if I say to you, a current running through a straight copper wire generates a magnetic field, you say, oh, um, but if I say, why did you do that? I think you'd have to struggle a bit to come up with a solution that I could understand. I don't know your background, but if you present me with with Maxwell's equations, I would state to you that Maxwell's equations describe the phenomenon. they're good descriptive, but they don't explain at all why it happens. And you know, you can go through all kinds of things that way. I just think that the world is full of an almost infinite number of neat things that happen for reasons that we don't understand at all. And human beings, of course, are among the very neat things that happen that we don't understand at all or very well. And so you're an example.
0: In, does it bother you no. that
1: yeah. does it bother me? It's wonderfully encouraging. You does it always gives uh, you something sound- <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, but what I meant is just to know the truth about something. I'm, I'm just curious that sometimes in the light of something, you need, you need to know the truth of something. Is it something bothering you if you don't know the truth of something? Like, do you have this burning desire to know the truth of something? Or, or it's, yeah, it's something natural well, that we will know.
1: Let me, let's take an example. One of the things we are working on right now is the origin of life. And you can think of a number of ways of which this might happen, and you can demonstrate some some parts of some of those those processes in laboratory and other parts of them you can't, but other people are working out as well and coming up with really good and interesting solutions, which may or may not have anything to do with your life, but certainly generate new. Um, Does it bother me that we haven't solved the problem yet? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, I would like to think that having spent, you know, a number of years worrying about this, we would know more about it than we do. But we don't, and I don't know what would be the answer. An alternative is the formation of the the engineering of surfaces. And, uh, you know, self-assembled memoirs were our way of doing that kind of thing. And that has converted what was really a very difficult area, which was making services that had different properties into an area in which it's so easy to make surfaces with different and predictable properties that you can test all sorts of hypotheses. So curiosity in that area, combined with a certain amount of luck, has generated a system which everyone can use to ask and answer the questions they have the services. And I think that over the course of time, a lot of people will ask questions. A lot of people will answer the questions using these kinds of surface systems. And so that's been a success. So surface engineering or surface chemistry in the form of multiple layers has been very successful in the origin of life has stopped been Because I still can't make you. Yeah. You guys couldn't make you.
0: Yeah. Maybe a quick question here. Do you believe as an observer, like, I, I don't know, just I'm curious from the way you think. Uh, if you don't want to ask a question, but I'm curious, do you think there's a God or or a or high power and is there purpose for the, the life or just I'm curious what you think. If you can share, okay, if not, I respect that.
1: I would say one thing about God, God, G-O-D, is if there is a conscious entity that's can control a wide variety of things. I can't even, I can never understand the mind of this entity, whatever it's going to be, because I can't. And so I know myself, I mean, my job is after all is to understand, to be curious about things, to try to understand them and to try to use that understanding to Mm. benefit my society and my profession and people around me. And that's a different question altogether. Yeah. And so if you do, that's fine. And I don't, I, my problems are sufficiently inwardly related that I don't have to worry about it.
0: Is there something you're afraid of?
1: I very, very much wish not to have things get out of control in Taiwan or Ukraine and have a nuclear Younger son has gotten together with a girl from the Ukraine, from Georgia, not Ukraine, from Georgia, not Georgia, the state, but Georgia, the country. Yeah. They produced two granddaughters. So we have two, they produced two. And watching these children grow up and watching them acquire language and learn skills, seeing how the world works, it's just mind bogglingly. Because they do what they do for reasons that, but it's breathtakingly interesting. And they are so interesting the way they do it. Now, what I would like is to have them have futures in which they can have lives and also be curious and solve problems and have babies and go out of the real world that we've gone on, which is really pretty nice.
0: That's beautiful. Maybe the final question. Do you have any message or something you would love to yeah leave for software robotic community to think about like questions sort of question or arguments that you think they should wonder about or think about deeply for software robotic community
1: oh yeah there there are a number of questions about in software robotics elsewhere. Let me start by saying I think the main thing that drives should drives forward curiosity. And that continues all sorts of questions about how birds fly and why insects are mostly hard on the outside, but the inside and you know, things of that sort. So there's that, and there's the engineering question of how do you help your fellow human have a better life with what you come up with? And the distinction between understanding and writing papers, period, Walk away, go do something else. And solving problems for society just doesn't make sense to me. After all, my neighbors end up paying for my research. And they have every right, I think, to understand what I'm doing. What I'm doing. And then also to benefit from the occasional success that we have. So I think that demonstration and the real demonstration is not demonstration is not primarily make papers that go into professional journals is really very important. So my specification for a good life and all this is start with curiosity and keep in mind that the end product should be benefit to society insofar as you can do it. And good luck.
0: Thank you. Any final words you like to say besides that? We're closing. Any final words? Nope.
1: No. Do you want me to sing a song? do that either
0: you can sing? I don't know
1: no <laughs> it makes <me> <laughs> <laughs> you horrible
0: thank you my sound is horrible <laughs> again it's such an honor talking to you and uh, I do appreciate it George thank you so much oh.